Revelation chapter number 3, verse number 14. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. Verse number 15, watch this. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich, and increased in goods, with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold, tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness does not, do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, be zealous therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne. Verse number 22, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Terry, would you pray for us this evening? Thank you so much. You can be seated now. If you know anything about the first couple chapters of the book of Revelation, you realize that uh, John was writing to seven literal churches in Asia. But God bless you, buddy. Here comes my hero right there. John is writing to seven literal actual churches on the continent of Asia, but he's also speaking symbolically of seven seven different ages in church history. Uh, So Laodicea is the the letter written here that we've just read. Laodicea was the last church mentioned, which gives us the idea, preacher, that the condition of the church in the last days before the coming of the Lord would be the same condition that the church at Laodicea was in before the church is removed from the earth. Surely, ladies and gentlemen, we are living in the days of Laodicea. Somebody say amen right there. Laodicea means of the people. It means the church of human rights. Think about that. This was a place where they were so wrapped up in themselves. Think about this. They were so self-absorbed. They had no idea what kind of sorry shape their church was in. Here's what Jesus said in verse number 16. He said, you are lukewarm. You're neither hot or cold. They weren't all the way in, preacher, but they weren't all the way out neither. They were straddling the fence. These were the type of people they showed up to church, but they played church. Uh, They were half-hearted. They were uncommitted. And so Jesus goes on in verse number 16 and says that because you're lukewarm... He says, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. Y'all know what that means? That means that he would vomit them. That is a term of throwing up. That, that, That gives us the idea that these people so angered God and so disappointed God that he made them sick. They made God sick to his stomach. So I guess I want to preach tonight on the subject of some church members that make God sick. Uh, 
So what was it about these people at Laodicea that made God sick? I mean, he said, he, he said here, he said, look, he said, this is what you think about yourself. You think you're rich. You think you're increased with goods. He said, you think you have need of nothing, but you've got a problem. And the problem is you're not all the way in. And even worse than that, you're not all the way out. And God said, I'd rather you be all the way in or be all the way out than be a fence straddler, than be a compromiser. So what was it about this church at Laodicea that made God sick to his stomach? I'm going to show you real quick and we'll do something else. First of all, ladies and gentlemen, tonight I want to show you their nature. Look at verse number 15 and 16. This is Jesus talking. It's red words. It's important words, right? It's all important. Somebody say amen right there. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou work cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. The nature of a lukewarm Christian is real simple. It's lazy. It's inactive. A lukewarm person doesn't care. They're indifferent towards the things of God. A lukewarm person doesn't do anything, but they sure love to tell other people how they ought to do things. Boy, they won't, they won't sign up for nothing, but boy, when you sign up, they'll sure have, tell you how you ought to do it. And then they'll be real quick to criticize you when you do, don't do it the way they think that, they, that you ought to do it. I'm talking about being lukewarm. I'm talking about not caring. I'm talking about being indifferent. COVID-19, ladies and gentlemen, revealed just how lukewarm the average church member is. They, they could care less if the church carries on or not. Now, it's funny to me that uh, they won't come to church, and I'm not talking just this church. I'm talking every church preacher. I've been in several since this COVID thing started. And it's funny to me that you'll see them at Walmart around... They tell me Walmart, with just the limited restriction, can hold 730-some people. Now, I've never seen that many people in Walmart, but the point I'm trying to make is they feel a whole lot safer in the grocery store with them 700-and-some than they do at the church house with 70-some. You know what that is? That's not fear. That's indifference. That's carelessness. That's lukewarmness. I know of a church right now, preacher. It used to be a booming, thriving church. I'm talking about beautiful facility. I mean, nice sanctuary, state-of-the-art sound equipment. And right now, on Sunday morning, they're running 12 people. Why? Because people do not care. People have become careless towards the things of God. They don't care about anything or anybody. Hey, can I tell you what will kill a church quicker than anything? Indifference will kill a church quicker than anything. Carelessness will kill a church quicker than anything. Lukewarmness will kill a church quicker than anything. No wonder the average church isn't seeing people saved every week, preacher. It's because we don't care. That's the kind of Christian that makes God sick. I, I remember when I was a little boy preacher, and, and I'm not going to get off on a tangent on smoking, but I remember when the men in our church that smoked would go across the road to smoke. 
I remember a day when people respected the things of God. I remember a day when parents wouldn't let their kids run around in church and tear things up and color in the songbooks and rip pages out of the pew Bibles. I remember those days and I'm not that old. And I've never seen the things of God treated with such indifference, irreverence, and just plain disrespect. I've never seen it in all my life. Now the church... The church is the bride of Christ, right? Is that right? Isn't that what your Bible says? The church is the wife of Christ, right? Let me ask you married men something. Yeah. I'm a pretty easygoing fella. Yeah. For the most part. I, 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 got, I got a short fuse when it comes to a few things. And you can say pretty much anything you want to to me, preacher. But you got to fool with that woman sitting over yonder. I'll kill you and tell everybody you had chicken pox. Let me ask you this, Benny. If you and I were going to be friends, and I told you I couldn't stand Becky, I had no use for Becky, I didn't want to be around Becky, could me and you jive and be friends? The bride of Christ is the church, right? It's the wife of God, right? Now how do you think God feels when you treat His church with such disrespect and such indifference? I can imagine that makes God mad, preacher. You better be real careful how you handle the things of God, ladies and gentlemen, because you might be kindling God to wrath. (laughs) Now listen, don't get super spiritual on me. But it's possible for all of us to be in that position. It's possible for all of us to be in that shape. It's possible for any one of us at any time to be lukewarm. I say to you, parents can become lukewarm when it comes to the correction of their children. I say to you, church members can be lukewarm when they become careless at the house of God. I say preachers can become lukewarm. It's real easy to get lukewarm, preacher, especially in evangelism. Hey, most evangelists that preach only have five messages a year and they preach them over and over and over again. And that's okay if God's in it. But if God's not in it, it's lazy. It's lukewarm. It's indifference. It's carelessness. It's easy to do, ladies and gentlemen, if we're not careful. It's convenient. It's easy to be lukewarm. (laughs) Don't mess me up now. The city of Laodicea, they had one problem. And they had one weakness. And it was their water supply. Water had to be piped in to Laodicea. They had no source of water. And so water had to be, they, they, the water had to be piped in. And cold water could come, come up and come down the pipe. But by the time it traveled the 10 or so miles from the cold springs, by the time it got to Laodicea, guess what? It was lukewarm. And so about six miles away, there was a town who had hot springs. But that water too, when it traveled down the irrigation system, by the time it got to Laodicea, guess what? It was lukewarm. So it didn't matter where you pop, whether you popped in hot water or you popped in cold water. By the time it got to the place of Laodicea, it was lukewarm. 
No matter where the water come from, no matter what they did, they were stuck with having lukewarm water. So why did Jesus say he would rather have them either be hot or cold than be lukewarm? Here's why. Hot water is useful. Hot water, for lack of a better term, has healing properties. Man, it feels good when your body's aching to sink down in a hot tub and soak. Man, it feels good uh, to get in a hot shower and wash off. It feels good. You can cook with hot water. You can use hot water to clean and to sanitize. Some of y'all to shout on this, you can make coffee with hot water. Because hot water is useful. Now think about this. Cold water is useful. Man, when you're hot and thirsty... And tired, nothing else. I mean, I love a Coca-Cola better than anything in this. I love Coca-Cola. Listen, let me help you right there. If it don't burn your nose when you burp, you ain't got a real Coca-Cola. I love a Coca-Cola better than anything. I mean, I want it to burn all the way down. But when you're hot and you're tired and you're thirsty, there ain't nothing like a good cold glass of water. Why? Because cold water is useful. So here's what Jesus is saying. Lukewarm water is useless. Remember I told you hot water has uses. Cold water has uses. But when they come down to the place of Laodicea and it was lukewarm, it was useless. So here's what Jesus is saying. If you let yourself get to a place where you're lukewarm and you don't care and you're indifferent towards the church and you're careless about the things of God, you're in danger of becoming useless. I've known some good people, preacher. I've known some real good people. And they, they allowed lukewarmness to come into their life. Indifference, carelessness. And you know what God had to do? And no doubt it broke the heart of God. God had to put them on the shelf because they were useless. Number two, (coughs) real quickly, I want to show you the numbness of the lukewarm. Look at verse number 17. Because thou sayest I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. Now watch this. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Jesus said, look, you say you're rich, you say you're increased with goods, but really, you're blind, you're broke, and you're naked. I told Dell I preached that one time on blind as a bat, naked as a jaybird, and broke as a convict. (laughs) But here's the phrase that stuck out to me. Jesus said in verse number 17, and knowest not. And notice what he says after, after they said that, that he said they were wretched. After he said, and knowest not, he said, you're wretched, you're miserable, you're poor, you're blind, you're naked. This is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, hey, you're messed up. You're lukewarm. You've got indifferent. You've got careless. But the sad part about it, ladies and gentlemen, is you don't even know it. You become numb to the fact. That you're lukewarm. Now can you imagine being so lukewarm and being so out of touch with the Spirit of God 
that it don't even bother you anymore. Now think about this, excuse me. I hate going to the dentist. I would rather take a beating with a ball bat than have to go to the dentist. But sometimes you just have to go. I'm going to tell you, there's nothing more excruciating than a tooth that's hurting. It's terrible. I, I hate going to the dentist. I asked my dentist one time if he was saved, and he said, yeah. I said, well, then how do you get by with hurting people for a living? I hate going to the dentist, man. They get you in that chair and they lay you back, and I'm like a turtle when I'm on my back, buddy. I just can't, I can't move. It ain't funny. And they lay you down there in their lap, and they go to drilling you and filling you, and they, that smell, it, it, I hate it. I hate going to the dentist. I can't stand it. It, make, it makes me want to puke just right now just thinking about it. Now think about this. When you go to the dentist... And they start working on you. What's the first thing they do you do to you? They numb you up, don't they? They come in there and they stick that Q-tip in your mouth. And they walk out for a few minutes and they come back and they shoot you with that Novocaine or whatever it is. And they come back in about 15, 20 minutes and they start working on you. Now think about this. When he comes back in and cranks that drill up and he starts working on you. Let me ask you a question. Now think about this before you answer. Are you still having pain? Sure you are. I guarantee you are. That tooth still hurts, but you don't feel it. He's killing you. I I mean, he's in there working, and it's excruciating. And man, if you could feel it, you'd be dying. But you're numb to it. You can't feel it anymore. So here's the problem with church people. God's spirit's still there. Conviction's still there. Your sin is still wrong. God is still dealing with you about your condition. But you can't even feel it anymore. You say, I don't believe a Christian can become numb. Oh, really? Well, then what are you going to do with Paul when he told the church at Ephesus that they had become past feeling? That means they couldn't feel anymore. You want to know what the biggest problem in our churches is today, preacher? It's not lost people. Lost people don't know any better than anything, preacher. Our biggest problem is saved people who have been around the things of God for so long that we're familiar with it and we don't care anymore. I think about Mary and Martha. And this will preach one day. I ain't got around to it yet, but this will preach one day. You know, Martha's, she's working herself to death, trying to take care of everybody. And Jesus is, is, is sitting there teaching. And Mary, her sister, is down at his feet listening and hanging on to every word. Now, Martha believed that Jesus was who he said he was, right? No doubt Mary believed that Jesus was who he said he was. Well, let me ask you a question. Why wasn't Martha... At the feet of Jesus, hanging on to every word that Jesus said. Here's why. Jesus had been to Bethany many, many times. He had no doubt slept in Lazarus and Mary and Martha's house many a times. He'd probably shared many a meal there. And Martha got used to the fact that Jesus was around. She was familiar with Jesus. She become numb to the fact that Jesus was around all the time. Now this ain't in my notes, but let me help somebody or kill them as the preacher says. I wonder, do we get used to experiencing the power of God in this place? 
Are we, fam- are we so familiar with the moving of the Holy Ghost in this place that we really don't care if he shows up or not anymore? Hey, I've been in some places to sing and to preach. My God, you don't know if them people have old-time religion, indigestion, or typhoid fever. I mean, sometimes it's the dead you look out. At, you've been there, ain't you, Terry? Della, don't you say a word. I mean, I've been in them places, Benny, where it's cold and it's hard to sing, much less preach, and there's no liberty, and they've let the lights go out in the house of God. But if we come to a place in our life, in this church, where we really don't care if God shows up or not, do we take it for granted? Because God has showed up here so many times. We're familiar with it. We're indifferent to it. Oh, God, help us, ladies and gentlemen, if we ever get to a place where we really don't care if God shows up or not. I'm off my notes. I've got to catch up. I mean, I'm talking about people who are coasting. I mean, I'm talking about people who are floating. They're drifting. They're going through the motions because they're indifferent. They could care less, preacher, if the work that this church is doing carries on one more second. You want to know how I know that? It's evident in how they treat the house of God. It's evident in how they treat the things of God. We live in a day where everything trumps church. Somebody help me right there. I said we live in a day where everything trumps church. I mean, you don't see people for six months and they'll hand you every excuse in the book. Why don't you just quit lying to everybody and just be honest and say you didn't care enough to come? I mean, just quit lying and just say, look, I didn't want to come. I've got a whole lot more respect for somebody with that answer as I do that somebody wants to lie to me. But here's the sad part and I'm going to move on. Most lukewarm people do not know that they're lukewarm. And it takes an overshadowing of the Holy Ghost to reveal to them their condition. Now, it's bad enough to be lukewarm, but unto God, I would hate to think that I was in such a messed up condition and I was so sorry and I was so out of touch with God that I didn't even know it. I didn't even know that I was lukewarm. Number three, real quickly. Verse number 18. Here's what Jesus said. He said, so so how are we going to fix it? What are we going to do? What is the remedy to this problem of being lukewarm, of being indifferent, of not caring? What's the remedy? This is what Jesus said in verse number 18. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed. Remember he said they was poor and they was naked, right? And that the shame of thy nakedness does not appear. And he said they were blind, so he says, And anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Look at verse number 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come. By the way, he said any man. He didn't say the pastor. He didn't say the Sunday school teacher. He didn't say the deacon board. He said if any man... Open the door. I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. So here's what Jesus says. Look, here's the list of your problems. Here's the list of the solutions. So what are we going to do to fix this mess? I don't want to be lukewarm. 
I don't want you to be lukewarm. Uh, if I know, know y'all like I think I know y'all, I know you don't want to be lukewarm. So what are we going to do about it? Something's going to have to be different. Something's going to have to change. And it's going to have to come from an outside source. It's not something that we can change by ourselves. We don't have the ability to change our condition. May I remind you that you're just as sorry and you're just as wicked as you were two seconds before you got saved. The only thing that's good in good about you is what God put in you. Somebody say amen right there. Now think about this. It's got to come from an outside source. The change has got to come from an outside source, right? Now think about this. When water is left alone by itself, what happens? If I left this bottle of water right here, it's cold now, what's going to happen? It gets lukewarm. It gets room temperature. Something is going to have to be different about that water after it's left to itself to become lukewarm, right? Now you could put water in the freezer and it cools it. It chills it, it even freezes it. Now you can put water on the stove and you can boil it and you can heat it. Now when you freeze it again and it gets cold again, it's useful again, right? When you put it on the stove and you boil it, it's useful again, right? The water does not, this water that's in this bottle does not have the ability, ladies and gentlemen, to change. It has to come from an outside source. And so it is with us. We do not have the ability to fix our problem of being lukewarm. We don't have it within us. So how are we going to fix it? What are we going to do? I don't want to be lukewarm. What am I going to do about it? We're going to have to allow God to do a work in our life and make us useful again. Remember, lukewarm water, it's, it's useless. I, I mean, if you're dying and you pull a bottle, bottle of water out of the trunk of the car, it'll keep you alive, but it's not real refreshing. It's pretty well useless. Here's what God says to use to keep us from being lukewarm, and I'm finished. Number one, Jude 1.20 says this, But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. You know what will keep you from being lukewarm? A good prayer life. I've never understood. Preacher, we have everything that God has at our disposal, and we will not utilize it. We will not take time to utilize our Father. We will not. Boy, hey, I'm going to tell you something. If you think too much of yourself to get a hold of the great God of heaven and see what God has to say about an issue, then, sir, you think too much of yourself. It takes a good prayer life, ladies and gentlemen, to keep from being lukewarm. The second thing, not only will prayer keep you from being lukewarm, but the people of God will keep you from being lukewarm. Uh, Hebrews 10, 24 says, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Look, just real plain, and I say it all the time, you might not like me. That's okay. I might not like you, and that's okay. But here's the reality of it, whether I like you or not, whether you like me or not, the reality of it is this, ladies and gentlemen, I need you. The reality of it is this, ladies and gentlemen. You need me. We need each other. We need the fellowship. We need to be around each other. We need the encouragement. We need the prayers of others. We need, hey, we need the accountability. Under God, we need the accountability. The third thing that, that uh, will keep you from being lukewarm is not only prayer and the people of God, but preaching. 
And now let me lose about half of you right here. I love singing. I love to sing. I'm grateful for the little bit of talent that God gave me to sing. But ladies and gentlemen, if you read the New Testament, God gave the church one gift to keep it alive, to keep it booming, and to keep it thriving. And that is the gift of old time, leather lung, slobber slinging, banana pudding eating, high blood pressure, bug-eyed, King James only, preaching. That's the one gift that Jesus gave to the church. Hey, Bible preaching will still get the job done. That still bothers me. The other day, preacher, when I read about that, uh, that pastor of that church where he was going to have a Christian monkey, and I thought, my God, a Christian monkey. I said what I said. I couldn't believe it when I saw it. And I thought, my God, there's two apes on the platform. It's not puppet shows and skits and programs. It's preaching. It's preaching. It's always been preaching and it always shall be preaching. The fourth thing is the printed page. Hey, the Word of God, ladies and gentlemen, will get on the back side of you. It'll tell you where you've gone wrong and it'll keep you from being lukewarm. Now, it's awful hard to be careless towards the things of God when you read His Word. I love to be a student of the Bible. I wish I knew more than what I did. I wish I could remember more than I can remember. You can never go wrong being a student of the Word of God. Let's stand with our heads bowed. And I want to ask you a question. I don't want to be lukewarm. I don't want to get to a place where I don't care anymore. I don't want to get to a place where I treat church or the, or the ministry that God's given me with indifference. I don't want to get to a place where I just don't care. But can I ask you a question, sir? Can I ask you a question, ma'am? Is that you? Have you found yourself in a place where you really don't care anymore? Can I ask you another question? Is church a bother to you? Or is it a privilege to you? Does everything else have priority in your life over the things of God? Now listen to me real careful. I want to ask you this question. Think about it real think about it real long before you answer. Are you proud of the member that you've been to this church? Are you proud of how you've treated this church? Are you proud of how you've behaved towards the things of God? I want you to ask yourself some hard questions. Do you even care anymore? Do you even care about this local church anymore? Hey, do you even care if anybody gets saved anymore? Now's the time to fix it, ladies and gentlemen. Now's the time to make it right. Hey, you don't have to be lukewarm. You can fix it. You don't have to be the kind of church member that makes God sick. So I just want to ask you, is there indifference in your life this morning or this evening? Have you let carelessness slip into your walk with the Lord? You can come get help tonight. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for this thought you gave me. I, I, Lord, I gave it my best. Lord, I know that my, my, my best is not always good. But Lord, I thank you for helping me. 
Lord, I pray for these folks that are on the altars tonight. Lord, I pray you'd help them. Lord, I pray you'd help this church to never be lukewarm. Lord, that we'd never lose what we have here. And Lord, we pray that we'd never take it for granted. In Jesus' name, amen. Preacher, you come.